From high above First Street South in The News Is Cancelled, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. And hey, I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I also make nice games. In this episode, your nice hosts bring you a Nice Games Bulletin, where we discuss the latest news from the broader world of video games, or at least as latest as we're able. And so, if everyone's ready, let's start. Okay, so, breaking news. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, dang it, that's my job. <laughs> Sorry, I stole it. No, it's fine. I forgot. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've done this. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we're recording this episode a week later than we normally do. Yes. Which means it's going to go out and be relatively timely. And whenever that happens, when we're like late on a recording, uh-huh. we try to do one of these bulletins. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's been our pattern in it the past. It has, it has. So this works out because there's a bunch of news that's happened. Yeah, and for this episode, we have a special guest, Ellen. Hi, Yay. welcome back to the show. Yay! Listeners will remember Ellen from our, the very best of our episodes, uh, which all feature her. <laughs> and I'm not in a lot of those. Wow, <laughs> well, I, I, didn't know. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> uh, but Ellen's joined us to talk uh, about the latest. And Ellen, you wanted to join us on this episode. Why? <laughs> because I'm so not up on the latest. <laughs> <laughs> so this is also like you're listening to this episode because you want to catch up on the news. I'm on this episode because I want to catch up on the news. <laughs> We're on this journey together. Yeah. <laughs> so you will get live reactions from yeah. Ellen Burns Johnson. <laughs> uh, first bit of news was uh, Martha, you and I yesterday went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. Which is gaming related. Balls sort of. And Dale too. Dale came with us is right. Um, <laughs> now, why, why did we bother to do that? Because I um, showed up on the wrong day to record. <laughs> Um, and you guys were already going to see it, and so I went along. Yeah, and we had an okay time. It was a okay movie. Yeah, it was it was okay. There was mm-hmm. some weird uh, undertones in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Not messages that we didn't all approve of. Yes, um, but uh, other than that, it was uh, you know pretty pretty okay yeah i'm honestly surprised well i'm not surprised by y'all's reaction but like it seems like a lot of people it's either like mixed reaction or it's a good movie people are having a hard time admitting it's any good yeah uh because it's hard to admit it's any good (laughs) (laughs) but like my my take on it is that it's it's a pretty standard kids movie plot nothing special in fact when you think about it it has some problems not just in like plot problems but like it's kind of a we it's like like martha was saying it has some weird messages that are maybe not quite either what it wanted to say or it did want to say it, but maybe it's not the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think all kids movies are like that. Yeah. But the thing was, is like the jokes were funny and like it wasn't, it wasn't corny to a degree that you could tell it was written by a room of executives. Like it was a good script. Okay. Even if it was kind of a bog standard plot. So that surprises. I don't me. know what more you could ask for, for a movie like that. Considering all of the trailers, like the first trailer was absolute, and the second trailer was adequate. <laughs> so I just expected this movie to be adequate. It sounds yeah. like it's better than that. Well, hanging over the whole thing is the story about the the effects changing. Right. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about yes after the movie about we weren't sure exactly like how much really changed. Yeah, I because how much was really done. Yeah, I feel like to do well. I mean, they spent a ton of money redoing yeah. it, so maybe I was I I I'm kind of was like maybe they like someone else did the trailer or. Or they only had like a few parts of the movie done when they did the trailer. Because usually trailers are made separately from the movie for animated movies too, right? So yeah, it, it could be that they, they, they cut a trailer and then the effects house was like, these are the shots in the trailer, get these done first. And so it might be that there wasn't a ton of work to redo because they pushed it out by you know, like six months and still got the whole movie done. Mm-hmm. And it looks fine. So, I mean, I don't know. But uh, it's... Um, you have to not forget about that because it's a yeah. bit controversial <laughs> because that studio that we did it, um, not specifically because of this job, but that and because of the, 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 the exploitative conditions that these, um, these uh, third party effects houses are, uh, suffer under yeah. that company went out of business. Right. Oh my God. Um, same thing happened to, this happens almost all the time. A company will get really hot and they'll be responsible for the effects on like three or four big movies and then they'll go out of business. Because they're not sustainable, like oh, right. It turns huh. out you can't you can't burn people out. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you can't stay in business when your yeah. when your product has to do with like people's creative work. Yeah, yeah. And it's very competitive amongst the different houses, and so they end up underquoting. And the studios that hire them tend to ask for more revisions than they say the contracts might allow. Great. Uh, and so, like, it's there's no there's no um, 
you know, there's no Teamsters union, right? Uh, <laughs> making it so that everybody goes home at the end of the day and doesn't suffer from, you know, uh, having to push too hard. Right. And because it's so, you know, the, the work of doing effects, as someone who's done some of that work, it's not, you can't really quantify it, right? Yeah. You, like, you can't say, like, this 10 hours will get me this thing. Mm-hmm. You end up with, um, this 10 hours can get a thing. Yeah, right. But you might not be happy with it. Mm-hmm. It might may take 50 or 60 hours. Yeah. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult to calculate. Yeah. Um, I feel worse about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, enough of uh, nonsense at the top. Uh, let's get into the main nonsense. Yeah. Um, recent releases. Steven, you've got one at the top you want to talk about. Yes, uh, Hyperduck came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I made it. No, I mean, you I didn't. didn't. No. <laughs> but other people keep confusing me for my brother, who's me. <laughs> well, because he was in the local news about this game, because he's the first black video game uh, studio owner in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's so, so cool. like he was in the news for that and stuff. Um, and then a, lot of, a bunch of people saw it on Facebook and they're like, oh, congratulations, Steve. And I was like, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pass that along. Yeah, right. That's exactly what I mean. <sighs> Anyways, it's out. Uh, it's actually been out for a month, but like you were, we were working on the website, which we're still, you know, updating and stuff too. Um, but I wanted to bring it up because like you should get it. It's a good game. It's uh, it's out on Xbox and PC and uh, a bunch of different like you can get it on itch and steam and uh, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. Yes, it's really cool. You basically just play as a dot that uh, and the, ta- the tagline for the game is dodge everything. You just dodge a bunch of other shapes. Yeah, all those shapes with their fancy edges and stuff, they can cut you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Flatland the game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so yeah. you think your your brother will uh, let you off the hook now that you've uh, <laughs> mentioned it on the show now? No. <laughs> no, he definitely won't. Okay, well, we, we'll hear about it again uh, next episode, I'm sure. Yeah. Breaking oh, news, yeah. brother gives other brother a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another release, uh, One Punch Man, a her- hero nobody knows, is a fighting game which features One Punch Man. I don't know if anybody here has saw One Punch One Punch! <laughs> Yes. <laughs> how would you make? Okay, I'm confused about how to make how you make a video game out of One Punch Man. That, because that's the, the whole reason why I put this in the the thing. whole conceit of One Punch Man is that it only takes him one punch to punch people. Yeah, and then out of the ring. Yeah, exactly. Like, so isn't it about like the burden of power or something? It is, yes. Yeah, it is about. He's that. incredibly bored because all he can win every fight. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, the Forgetting way- that there are more, there's more to do in life than fight people. But- <laughs> well, well, in a video game, though, <laughs> in in the world he lives in, uh, like there isn't like I mean, uh huh. People don't do watercolors or anything. It's just- <laughs> I mean, he does. He's just incredibly bored by them. I think there's like a. I, I watched the first season. There's a whole. Um, what's the word? You can like it's a whole career. Like you could be a superhero and punch out the giant monsters or supervillains or whatever uh-huh. that come up. So. One Punch Man is like, he's like C-tier, even though like he's the best superhero, he's C-tier because he's so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so how does this game work? Yeah, okay. So the way that this works is it's a tag team fighting game. So like you pick two or three characters and you swap between them and defeat their other team. Um, but if you pick One Punch Man, he's not actually a character. You play as just your two or your one characters. In the, so you're like disadvantaged. But once One Punch Man, he takes like, uh, I want to say like three minutes or something to come into the fight. Once he comes into the fight, he just like automatically wins once he hits a punch. A punch. Mm-hmm. So, and he, I think he has like OP super moves and stuff. Can you block his punch? No. He's <laughs> one punch you can man. Try. Mark. I don't know the logistics. <laughs> That's fair. Can you parry his one punch? <laughs> you no. can, no. but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I would have put that in because I thought that was an interesting way to solve that problem. Yeah. To have a one punch man video game that features him. So it's like he becomes the timer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. interesting. I think anytime you're sort of forced into a box through n- with the narrative conceit, then you it invites you to be creative mm-hmm. with mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really cool. That's why sometimes some of the most interesting games can be licensed games. Yeah, because they create problems to solve. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then rather than just a wide open, would do whatever you want kind of thing. Yeah. Um, totally. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this game is any good. Have you played it? I haven't played it. Okay. Uh, I might check it out. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> your duty as a fighting game player just to give it a, a try yeah basically <laughs> uh, another game's coming out Neo 2 which I'm excited for except I don't have a PS4 so I probably can't buy it or play it but that's okay 
It's good. <laughs> I think probably the, the beta is. I think the beta is out or is supposed to be out in like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you could try it out if you haven't played the first game. Um, I'm really. I was really looking forward to this, but I didn't realize that it was only coming out on PS4. Yeah. So did I, Sony fund it or? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the same thing happened with the first game, but like it eventually made its way to PC, and that's how I played it. Mm-hmm. So mm. I, I guess I assumed that it did pretty decently on PC. They wanted to do it or release it on both of the things, but I don't think they're going to do that mm-hmm. at least for another like few months so well you know a lot of people with a ps4 that's true you could just play the demo at their place right <laughs> yes i'm gonna have to hit y'all up for that <laughs> <laughs> speaking of ps4 dreams came uh, out. <laughs> i want to play that so badly yeah. see this is the game that i need a ps4 for. <laughs> yeah hey, that's, this is well, actually no i was gonna say this isn't gonna come out on other consoles but i think there are talks that like you can release some of the content in dreams on pc and stuff Oh, because like the because it's kind of a game and like it's, it's basically a, a game engine. It is. It's, it's just game it's just a game engine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there have been a couple of people who have already like written up reports on like my experience as a game designer working in Dreams. Mm-hmm. Right, like we've talked about Mario Maker and other and like Little Big Planet, other games we can create stuff. Right, and this is uh, uniquely powerful. Yeah, in that thing, I, I did I played the early access version mm-hmm. um, for a couple of weeks. And um, before I realized I had uh, real things to get to do, because um, it is like when you play with the controller or when you play with the um, the uh, the wands, yeah. right? whatever I forget what they're called now, the move wands, mm-hmm. which you can play without VR headset, which is weird. It's like I think the only game where you can use those the move controllers that does not use the VR headset on oh. PS4. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird lineage of that controller, but um, <laughs> it's uh, both system, both control methods are really interesting, but. I, I'm, you fight it for a long time if yeah. you're used to using a, like a, a, any kind of other 3D modeling program or something like Unity. Um, like it, you really have to like give yourself over to its entirely new way of thinking. Yeah, and then you can start working kind of quick and okay. getting your ideas out. Um, but it's just man, it's so powerful. Yeah. Um, and just seeing the things people have made with it. Um, a lot of it is like fan art. Yeah. Um, which is sort of disappointing, but like that's always what happens. Mm-hmm. You I, you can't get too too frustrated by that, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, my brother has it, and he's been playing it a lot, and I've uh, played it a few times as a result. I haven't, like, made anything, because I don't... It seems like too much effort to make anything in there, <laughs> for me, anyways. But, yeah. like, uh, I've played a bunch of games, and there's some really cool games on there. Yeah. Um, And not just, like, fan stuff. There's some, like... There's this one fighting game, of course, I played <laughs> that um, was really interesting um, that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Actually, there's a decent amount of fighting games on there. Surprised at how many there are on that thing. Yeah, I wonder if the types of genres of experiences are going to be um, uh, based on like what the tools that make it easy to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be really cool to see this in like education settings, like see what kids will do yeah. with it. Oh yeah, and like teaching people game design through it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shares a lineage with tools like um, uh, HyperCard or Flash. Where it's it's all one piece, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you can't really work on the on the mechanics without working on the art, and you can't really work on the art without working on the systems, and so it's all of a piece. And so I think people who like those tools or had fun playing with them or use that as a bridge to do more game development will find a lot to love in it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's I think it's it's fascinating. I want to see where it goes mm-hmm. a few months from now. It has a cool name. It does have a cool name. Yeah, I think its name is great because it because has that badge made in dreams. Yeah, which is the way of describing it. I love when they build a whole like, you know, lexicography around it. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Another game is coming out. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Woo! <laughs> yes, Ellen, I heard you were very excited. For yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I am and haven't played it yet. Uh, I have had a calendar, like a calendar invite for myself on my own calendar. Oh. <laughs> when I when I first got the announcement and way back when they first announced the release it and like. Ori and the Will of the Wisps. <laughs> and then that morning I woke up, I'm like, oh, it's Ori and the Will of the Wisps day. And I went to work and completely forgot about it. <laughs> so I got to have that excitement all over again here on the news episode. Nice. <laughs> Which is perfect. That's why we have it. Yeah. I, I really did. I, I really did like the game. I know that there was some criti- like some criticism about the first game having some kind of inconsistent difficulty. Oh. Um, and I know exactly what part they were referring to. <laughs> <laughs> but I beat that part and it felt so good. Yeah. So I'm excited for the sequel, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. What platforms is it on? Because the first one was an Xbox, right? Well, I don't know. I played it on PC. Okay, I so mean, it must have maybe Xbox it, and PC. It was or... a time exclusive. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. It, it, like it's on Switch now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think, I assume that Ori and the Will of the Wisps is Xbox exclusive for a while. So. 
<laughs> do you not have an Xbox One? No, I I pretty much only play on PC and Switch. Ah, Although I might have to get a PS4 at this point. Too. Well, see, here's the problem. That's the issue. Why don't we all just release all of our games on all of the platforms? And I'm saying that knowing yeah, how much you, effort that is. You just said that, like saying that out loud. It's like you sound like every gamer on Twitter. Hey, no, <laughs> how hard could it be? There's just a button for it, right? <laughs> It's made in Unity. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, fellow game devs. <laughs> no, what we need to do is we need to create like a library for consoles. Yeah. There we go. There yes. Because we, we oh. all said like, oh, we should get a PS4. We don't have a PS4. Well, let's get one communal PS4. And yes. then just check it out and yeah. have like a space. To do. That's a super good idea. That would be good because then you could just buy the $60 game and not have to yeah. buy the $400 console. Well, I mean, it would be particularly useful for game dev communities because a lot of times this is legitimate research. Yeah. Like, yes, you're having a lot of fun. Yeah. But like sometimes you do want to like play new games to see what's happening. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, or get a sense of systems. Or whatever. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, if you, I mean, if you are a, a you know a thought leader in your own community, go ahead and get that started where you are, and let us know how it goes. Yes. <laughs> or donate a PS4 to Nice Games Club. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or we, yeah, we could just do a drive to get us a bunch of things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we didn't think of that. And then we'll talk about it. You yeah. don't have to play the game. We'll tell you about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last, the last release we've got on here is Kentucky Route Zero, which I, um, it's just been out, out for like a very long time, but it's been released episodically, correct? Yeah, and then um, the last one just came out recently. Yes, and then the, and I think the entire, all the episodes are coming out on console very soon. Uh, I don't know. Has anybody here played Kentucky Road Zero? No, but mm. I've heard good things about it. Like, that, everyone really likes it on Twitter. Yeah. So it makes me feel like I should get around to it eventually. I know nothing about this game. Can you give me oh. the tweet version of what it is? It's like Americana style, but everything is like it's post apocalyptic, I think. And you have to go around and meet people. Yeah. But there's also like supernatural things yeah, it's, a, it's a narratively driven oh, yeah in terms cool. of the gameplay it's essential it's sort of it it's not quite just a story game but it's close to that right i think so yeah. and you it's you have to make you're trying to make a delivery i think is we should have looked this up <laughs> before <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the thing it's like a lot of people talk about it on twitter um but they don't describe what the game is they just are like this game is cool get it and like they're like every episode they're like this is exciting i'm so excited for this new episode of this game no one ever describes what the game is. Yeah. So like, I want to play it only because other people keep saying it's good, but I don't know why I want to play it. I read a whole story about it's like nine year development process, oh. or however many years it was, yeah. uh, because the, it, you know the episodes were worked on and released over many years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the developers talking about how like we've changed as people, and so the latest thing is now we're breaking breaking free because we wanted to do something different and. And just interesting, and nowhere in that long thing that I read and was interested in did it describe what the game was or how it played or what the story was. Right. And I didn't, I didn't, it didn't catch me because I'm interested in the dev story. Oh yeah. Right. Like I'm not actually mm-hmm. that interested in the game. Right. <laughs> That's funny. We all just sort of caught ourselves doing exactly that, which uh-huh. is like this seems really cool. We don't know anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, okay. I'm reading stuff the Wikipedia article. Oh, okay. Um. So you play a truck driver who's making deliveries along route. Uh, 65 in Kentucky. Sold. And, uh, but then you get lost. And then you have to figure out how to find your way again. And you end up meeting all these people and learning about their lives. You know, you all have read articles about this and read media coverage. Right. And Martha's on the Wikipedia and no, no one's. And we still don't know what the game is. <laughs> it's a point and click. It's a point it's and a click. Point click. Okay. Yeah. Contains text driven dialogue. Ah. There are no traditional puzzles or challenges, with the focus oh. of the game being on storytelling and atmosphere. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. I'll check out this game we just discovered is cool for the first time. <laughs> and, and we discovered why it's cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I, it is kind of interesting. I think a lot of listeners will probably empathize with that kind of process of like knowing a lot about a game, yeah. and not knowing anything about the game, yeah. Because right? like we come at it from a different place, yeah. right? Yeah, right? that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so, should we get into the news proper? Uh, we first have our call to action thing. Oh, we have some business before it <laughs> end. Yes. Uh, Tell us about it, Stephen. You should send this podcast to a friend. Why would I ever want to do that? <laughs> because we want more listeners. 
no but actually though it, it the show gets a lot better if we have more listeners and so if more people listen to the thing they can give us feedback we can make the show better for our listeners. Uh, what exactly, uh, what actions could people take, Stephen? Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can text them about it. You can send it to them. You can message your friend on Facebook. I, I put in a, a, a an example you could do. Oh. Yes. What uh, is it? Use this copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hello, fellow human. Have you heard this interesting and fascinating podcast called Nice Games Club? Wow, that'll, that'll totally work. <laughs> I mean, I'll you, you, tweet that. You won't know unless you try it. So yeah. give it a go. Give it a shot. Tweet about the show. Share it in any way yeah. you can. Because that's how. Because uh, yeah, word of mouth has been how the show's grown so far, mm-hmm. and uh, we could always use some more of it. Yeah. And thank you very much in advance. All right. Biggest news, at least. Uh, you know, for those of us, well, for me, I don't know about for the rest of you at the table. It's still but it, big news. Yeah, it's big news for a lot of developers and for the game industry at large. As GDC got postponed, air quotes. Well, okay, well. Um, I think a lot of people are taking that to mean that it's just been canceled. But mm. GDC has said uh, that they are planning to hold the event later in the summer. They've done, uh, and I can see why they say that, uh, not just to save face, but because they've done a lot of planning, mm-hmm. right? And like, and they're going to do a show next year, so like. It is a lot of lost work if they don't put on a show. The truth is, is like people booked flights months ago. Mm -hmm. So like, and um, we're recording this episode on a Sunday. You'll hear it in the middle of the week. Um, So they probably will have already perhaps have said something about it by now. So we're actually a little bit behind on the latest news because it's a very fast moving thing. Yeah. Um, we, We were talking about GDC in the last episode. And then almost immediately afterwards, uh, <laughs> like there were there were more uh, event, uh, more uh, sponsor cancellations, and then the show yeah. itself. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the timeline of it, at least up to now. Um, so first, I think uh, Sony, uh, Oculus, um, they were big sponsors to pull out. Mm. And of course, the reason for all this is the coronavirus, right. which is a worldwide thing. It's very likely you know a little bit about this already from anything because it's affecting things all over the world. Right. And um, so a lot of these companies, which send employees from all over the world, um, said uh, out of an abundance of caution or language to that effect, that they're going to cancel their presence. And they say it's for the, you know, the health of our, of our, uh, our employees and, and the attendees. I mean, Sony and Oculus made a lot of sense because both of them had VR headsets as part of their yes. thing. And oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well, so and that, that, cu- that really cuts to the heart of it. And I, I don't want to be cynical about this because I think this is also perfectly reasonable, but I don't think people have said it out loud. And I'm a little bit, I think it's a little unfortunate is that a lot of this is about liability. Yeah. Um, if you run a booth. That has, you know, we, you know, we've all done VR demos and have been and kind of put out of our mind the how it's not quite fully sanitary. Yeah. Um, but in a case like this, it becomes a public health risk. Right. And if an attendee uh, gets sick or there's a or even it's just as a PR spat, like that there's a, you know, can be somehow traced back to Oculus's booth, which yeah. is like that's kind of a silly fantasy scenario. But I could totally see them saying, like, that is not worth whatever we would get out of this conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just for the PR reasons, but for proper legal liability. And of course, legitimately for actual, we don't want to be a vector for a health scare. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot a lot more of these cancellations early had to do with liability concerns and less about quote unquote the totally the health concerns. And I don't mean to say that cynically, because I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing oh, yeah. to say I don't want to be liable for all of this. Oh yeah. But I do wish we talked about it a little more openly because that is ultimately what led to the cancellation of the show is sponsor after sponsor dropped out for these reasons. Um, and eventually uh, GDC said the same thing out of abundance of caution for health concerns. The truth is more than 70% of their high end sponsors were not going to be at the show. Right. So right. like the show would be bad. Like yeah. it wasn't going to be. And so I have no problem with them saying the show would be bad. We're going to cancel it. Mm-hmm. I mean, which isn't to say that there's only one reason and not w- both reasons. Uh-huh. I do wish we were maybe a little bit more open about the logistics of some of these things. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, there's also some unknowns. We, you know, it, it's the it's the show. The week of the show is two weeks away. We don't really know what two weeks is going to look like. Um, right. There was uh, an, um, um, there's now um, uh, uh, the first confirmed death in the United States uh, in oh. Seattle. That was reported over the weekend, oh. and um, it's been uh, it's one you know it's a it's a it's a flu like virus. Yeah. So um, there is uh, it's been sort of harder to track, which it seems scary, but also is actually kind of I wouldn't say good, but it means that like it's like a flu in that um, it because it isn't as um, it doesn't impact people. It's, it's not Ebola, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're not qualified to talk about a lot of the 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 things, but I do want to get into a little bit of it because it does impact 
a lot of what um, uh, how the industry is responding to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, um, I'm certainly happy to parrot a lot of the good advice I've heard in case you listener haven't heard it yet, um, including how to keep yourself safe. Uh, and keep yourself, you know, knowledgeable about some of this. Also, stuff. what I've heard in terms of keeping yourself safe from the coronavirus is just wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, normal things. Like, yeah. you know, if you uh, end up being a little bit uh, paranoid about it and wash your hands four times as often as you normally do, great. Go yeah, ahead and do that's that. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but sort of standard hygiene practices are good. Um, they say don't touch your your nose, your hand, your eye, or your eyes, your face, your mouth. You know, like. Um, but also, if you do show flu-like symptoms, you know, to see a doctor maybe a little earlier than you might otherwise, uh, quarantine yourself. And mm-hmm. when I say that, I mean it in a, in a more casual sense. Stay home, work from home. Yeah. Don't go out as often if you can stay away, um, just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of um, uh, virus that infects one to three people, uh, so that that can spread very quickly. And if you can make if you are a vector for it in some point and you yeah. may never know if you are mm-hmm. um if you're just a little bit sick then and you can bring that number down then that can over time really really reduce the amount uh that a, a virus spreads and yeah. that's the difference between um you know a virus that just spreads naturally um or uh something that where a, a society reacts to it is that we do have the power like outside of actual medical technology we have the power to actually contain these things through social behaviors yeah and so in any case all of that is to say that GDC got canceled because these are sort of complicated issues and a lot of people just didn't want to deal with it. Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, and it, honestly, that makes a lot of sense because like, yeah. it's just, it would be difficult. And I, I don't know, like, even if, if I was a uh, caring higher up, I would be like, oh, I'm inviting all these people to this space to play this game, but they can be infecting themselves yeah. with a bunch of stuff. And maybe I don't want to be liable, but also in the back of my head, it could be also be like, this could also, you know, be harmful to a lot of people. Right, and so. and as someone who is not an expert, yeah. right, um, a pr- my, my guess is a, a big organization, that the group that puts on GDC, mm-hmm. probably did bring in some consultants to advise them on, on what to do. Right. But the truth is, if you are in a position where you aren't really sure what to do, the safer option is, is no one's going to begrudge you from that, even if yeah. there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's the whole deal. There's some fallout from it, of course. Um, right. People's passes are being refunded. Uh, if you booked a hotel through the GDC website, which is a not uncommon practice, but not everybody does it that way, uh, you can get that refunded. Uh, plane tickets is your own, you know, uh, the, I don't think they did that through GDC. Right. There's um, a, um, a Game Dev World is doing a fundraiser right now for people who have like visas and and things that can't be refunded. Mm. Yeah, um, so a lot of, especially indie developers, mm-hmm. myself included, have unrefundable travel costs. Yeah. Um, and those are things you, um, if you know, if you didn't spring for the travel insurance, uh, the overpriced travel insurance, which you like regret not getting or whatever, the one time you need it. <laughs> that's not what insurance is, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, there are lots of unrefundable. And so, yeah, there's uh, a bunch of people who are putting together funds for people uh, to apply for and say, these were my costs and this is what I can't get back. Um, and the other thing is a lot of people are going anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, cause a, a lot of people go not because of all of the things that they can see at GDC, but because of all the people they can, yeah, and since yeah, everybody already booked their, booked their tickets, there's going to be a bunch of people in San Francisco. So yeah, well, it makes sense to go. That, that does make sense for them. Yes. And also, <laughs> and it kind of gets back to something that occurred to me when we were talking about like the reasons to cancel. And one I think one of the things to think about is, um, I, I was talking to, um, to my mother and my sister about this this morning. And I, my question was, is this a huge overreaction? Like are people dying from this? And mm-hmm. what, at least what I was told, and I have to, I still have to validate this. So if this is wrong, I really hope that someone corrects me um, that there's a pretty high hospitalization rate mm-hmm. from the virus. So it's not necessarily like high mortality rate, um, but, yeah. but a lot yeah. of people who get it end up hospitalized. And yeah. so because it spreads so easily, the risk isn't so much that it's going to, kill millions and millions of people. It will probably be like over the over a period of time if it's similar to the flu. The flu is a really bad virus because it it mainly because it um transmits so easily. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hearing about the coronavirus is that it transmits really easily. It can put a higher percentage of people in the hospital than like the regular flu. And all those factors together can create a, a huge um burden on the healthcare system. Yes. So if you have a few thousand people coming into a conference and interacting with each other and then two weeks later they become symptomatic in their own you know it it's it's 
you know, it's care about the system. It's the systems thinking part of it. Yeah. Not just yeah. the individual thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why executives um, might also say, okay, we need to cancel this because we need to reduce the amount of like incentives that are in play to get all these, to bring all these people together, even despite the fact that they might not be feeling well. Yeah. And our culture is kind of like that either. Or that, like that right now, I think, I think that there has been more discussion in the past several years about being responsible with your own health and exposing other people. But right. and this might get into other discussions that will happen soon on the Nice Games Club. But you got to come in and you got to put your time in because you got to get your work done. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of cultural pressure to just show up anyway. Yeah. Yep. And at conferences, especially, it's the uh, um, uh, the phrase "con crud," right? People get sick at conferences anyway, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, right. And so it's hard, might be hard to identify these particular things because it is essentially a flu-like sim- uh, a disease. And because of the, the fact that there have been cases that have been now reported that cannot be traced, but that tells us is that there are a lot of people who got it and got over it, yeah. um, or are getting over it, um, and and but and passing it on, or they're asymptomatic uh, uh, transmitters. Yeah, that's what I was reading about is that most people who get it are not really like they don't really have symptoms or whatever and and the hospitalizations and deaths occur way more frequently if you're older Mm -hmm. if you're in like our age group at the table the chances that you're going to be really sick are super low yeah um i do want to speak a little bit to that um one is um to reassure people um, that uh, children especially seem to be very um, resistant to the disease. Ah. Uh, flu affects younger people, um, uh, children, toddlers. Um, but this, uh, there's been no deaths reported under the age of 10. Okay. Um, and so that's, that's good news so for this particular thing. It does uh, affect people who are older, 70 and older, people who are immunocompromised. And I, I, I do want to mention it because it is reassuring to a lot of our audience perhaps. But at the same time, that is not a blanket statement because I, I am uh, personally, I don't talk about this show, but I am an immune, I have immunocompromised. I have a chronic illness and that does make me more susceptible to illnesses. Not necessarily a, an, an immense risk to an illness like this, but it's something that like I'm, I get to go in the head of the line for a flu shot, for example. And, like that's the level that I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like the worst, but it's something to think about. Mm-hmm. And so I do want to make sure that when people talk about, when they talk about it to each other, that they are careful to, they say like, oh, it's no problem, we'll all be fine. Because think about the people in your community who are not, you know, not the normal part of your community necessarily. Yeah. And this is true of any other kind of topic we've discussed on, on, on this show in terms of, you know, uh, uh, communities and, 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 and uh, uh, things that we make. Mm-hmm. But that's true of any new thing that shows up when yeah. you think about, um, mm-hmm. it is a little disheartening to see people say like, oh, we find it's just old, just old people. Like, uh, not only is that not totally true, but also that's a little heartless. Um, you have old well, people that's in your not life. What I was saying. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean fair. to say that, but but I, but I mean it's very important that as you are trying to calculate your own fears and your own uh, how you reassure others and the behaviors you take, that you think about um, saying like, oh, I'm in a position where you know I'll be fine, so I'll be a little more cavalier with my uh, behavior, um, or I'm. You do want to think about yourself as a member of a society. Yeah. Um, so this is a case where, um, you know, uh, people talk about like uh, uh, face masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people are like hoarding face masks. Uh, you, you don't really even need one. Like right. it's not even a case of like don't get one because you need to give them to the people who need them. It's like yeah. you just don't need one. It does not help. But washing yeah. your hands is a much better way to do it. Mm-hmm. But also um, in situations like this, we are reminded more than ever that we are a community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes people you don't know. That includes people who you don't like. That includes people who, like, uh, you don't trust. Uh, we are all in this together. And so um, uh, when uh, things like um, uh, medical supply chains, um, you know, when you talk about, like, apocalyptic scenarios, the thing you really fear might happen. And I don't, I, I would like, I mean, to reassure anybody, not to say I know anything, but, like, no one's talking about that in any more than, like, a what if. Um, yeah. But um, as someone who does rely on the medical supply chain, um, it, it, it requires all of us to recognize that we are we are we are as at risk as our weakest uh, um uh constituent mm-hmm. and to make sure that we um um i mean i'm not saying anything you haven't heard from other people don't overreact don't underreact yeah make sure you get information but um when you hear something that doesn't apply to you make sure you still take it in yeah um and you, and you think about it yeah um I'm not sure the total point I'm trying to make, but I, I feel that there's a lot of conversation about like, 
oh, is this something I should be totally afraid of, or is this someone I should not worry about at all? Well, and, and I, th- I think that that's a very natural, like, yeah. because it, 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 it's how you are going to then, should I change my behavior or should I not change my behavior? Yeah. And if I, if should I or should I, how much should I? But I think that this is the kind of thing where we do have to think outside of ourselves, maybe more than we're fam- comfortable with or familiar mm-hmm. with. Um, well, I, I, if I am understanding you correctly, Mark, yeah. I think what you're trying to say is like, take the information in and then uh, understand what this, how this not only affects you, but how it affects other people. And adjust your behavior accordingly. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess maybe what I would just advocate is uh, try to put yourself in the mindset of protecting the group and not yeah. pr- just protecting yourself. Well, yeah, um, because that is how you get protected. Is mm-hmm. when we all feel that way. Yeah, um, and that is a very that is something you have to work at. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, we all have to be careful to do that. Um, yeah. and it's, in, a, in a situation like a, a gathering or when there's when there's uh, you know when there's a lot of people. Uh, you want to think about, yeah, you're washing your hands not just to keep you safe, but to keep everybody else safe. Right. And that's as, and they're doing it to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And so you need to, uh, like, we, that, that camaraderie is important to getting through whatever bumps come right. for something like this. Yeah. And that's, of course, not specific to our audience or our, the things we do. Yeah. That's um, good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Maybe. And I, I guess I'm going on a little bit about it because it's something I think about a lot mm-hmm. uh, with, in, with my uh, situation. Yeah. Um, and this, is, this just sort of brings it to the forefront of like, um, making sure that people know that, like, if you you know if you're afraid, talk to people. Like, it's not just about behaviors; about knowledge. So, if you're if you're worried, talk to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, to to uh, you know, if you think you're going crazy, if you think you're doing something that, like, oh, this is weird, or like, wh- why am I behaving this way, or why am I reacting this way? Um, don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Um, we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, so, to the more uh, specifics, uh, like I said, I'm still going to San Francisco. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> Mark. Yeah. Well, I, you, I mean, you're part of the train jam, right? Yeah, and the so, train jam isn't canceled. Uh, train jam is not canceled. Yeah. Um, and there, and uh, there's there are you know logistical reasons for not canceling it. Mm. But also, um, it's no. Um, I mean, it's really not any less safe. Um, that, you know. Um, the organizers are putting a lot of effort into making sure everybody feels comfortable, um, yeah. taking extra efforts because people are on edge. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, and you know we just talked all about like what is you know what you should learn and what is true, but also what you feel is important. And so making sure people feel comfortable, especially when you do when you organize events like this, are, right. is important. And so I'm still going on Train Jam, yeah. and I'm still going with a bunch of other indie devs, and we're still going to be doing some networking, yeah. and we're still going to end up in San Francisco, and a lot of us are going to turn around and come right back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. Okay. Uh, there is a um, alternative events that are still happening. Thing is, it's not going to be the gathering of thousands, of right, tens yeah. of thousands, as it was before. Um, but there's still going to be hundreds, and maybe thousands of people still there. And I mean, also San Francisco has a booming industry, video game industry yeah. already. So like, there's still developers there who just live in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so um, there is a couple of um, Discord channels of people who um, are uh, getting together. Like what? What is still happening? What's been canceled? Um, what can we put together? Uh, smaller events, more ad hoc uh, gatherings. People who are giving talks. If you're going to be there, uh, is there a place you can give those talks? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that planning is happening now, and it's uh, where we're sitting. It's just like two days into everybody gathering to get this, make this happen. Yeah, and it's a, it's this the Swiss cheese of the industry. It's like it's just the people who are going anyway who didn't. Turn around, and that's a lot of indies. That's a lot of consultants. That's a lot of small studios with unrefundable travel costs. Yeah. Um. And so, what it's going to look like is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it's, it's, I'm kind of excited to see what what we pull off. Yeah. Um. And because it's going to be a lot fewer people, um, there's going to be a lot more people volunteering to assist. Um. I'm uh sort of popping my head up in some of these uh chats and saying like, is there anything you need me for? Um, is there, you know, is there anything I can help with? Mm-hmm. Um, is there any way I can spread the word or any organize any of the communication efforts? Um, and my time is limited, but also I have le- a lot less on my plate now yeah. during that week. So um, it is, uh, it is kind of an interesting thing that the the sort of community left behind by this weird occurrence is trying to make the best of it. Yeah, GDC um, auxiliary. Yeah, wow. in a sense, the, the um, I'll put together some links that I have found so far. And put them in the show notes. By the time we do the show notes and put this episode, there'll probably be a little bit more information about some of this stuff. So if you are uh, trying to get your plane and hotel canceled um, or aren't able to or have just decided to go anyway, and that's another thing is you, you do need to decide for yourself whether it's worth it for you to go 
even if you can't cancel your, your plane tickets, right? Like, so, you know, there are things in life where sometimes you have to eat the cost. Yeah. Um, and partly because of train jam um, and also because I'm sort of interested in, in seeing some of these alternative events and helping out perhaps. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit more invested in ac- actually going. It's not, it's not that I'm being forced to. I actually have reasons still. Um, but if that's not you, 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 know, you shouldn't feel too bad about cutting your losses. Um, it's a terrible feeling, especially when you've spent a lot of time planning for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, w- uh, when I get back, uh, we'll do a GDC episode. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see what happened. <laughs> right? I guess it would be like GDC in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I do... I, I, don't think we talked about adding this to the list of things we wanted to talk about with Mm -hmm. GDC, but I am curious just to spend a couple minutes maybe talking about what you think canceling or technically it's postponing. We'll see. Mm. Time will tell uh, this huge event, right? What does that mean for the industry over the next year? Oh, it's hard to know. Like, is it going to just be forgotten by next year? Is it going to, is it going to just like recessions tend to change the economy even after they recover? Mm -hmm. Like what will happen? What will next year's GDC look like? Right. I mean, that's, I mean, maybe the GDC auxiliary, I am really having trouble with that word. (laughs) Auxiliary. Well, it's your fault for bringing it to the table. (laughs) GDC. Um, Yeah. I don't know. GDC under the radar. Uh, yeah, maybe people really like some of the things that end up happening kind of ad hoc and that gets incorporated into the conference yeah. in the future. But New I, traditions, You right? know, the, some of the, th- the interesting thing about these networking events is sometimes the seeds that are sown don't kind of bear fruit creatively or for the industry for a long period of time. Right. So I wonder if this is the kind of thing like we're not going to really understand the effect of the, the missed or postponed GDC for, for like a year or so or yeah. two years, you know, People have complained about GDC. It's too expensive. They don't pay speakers. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of, I mean, in, in a time where GDC is canceled and a lot of indie developers are suffering as a result, it is easy to forget that, that there are a lot of things about GDC that are, are problematic, mm-hmm. um, especially when you are an indie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, a lot of these backup events, if they end up providing very similar value, will you have even more and more people traveling but not attending the show? Yeah. Right? Which is already a thing that a lot of people do. They go to San Francisco for meetings and they don't enter Moscone Center. Right. Um, and that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah. And people get a lot out of that. Um, I, I wonder, it might just make the week more interesting, but it also might be a one-off, right? It might be next year everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I'm, I am also very curious. Yeah, interesting. My, my thoughts are that there's just going to be a lot less like indie game deals happening because GDC isn't happening. And so, mm. uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think like maybe, maybe in the next couple years or so, uh, there will be a few, a few less games released on like consoles. Yeah, it's stuff. curious. A lot of the companies are they going to still try to fill out their slates? Um, are they going to? Yeah, are they just going to not make those deals, yeah. or are they going to find ways to make those deals elsewhere? Yeah. I know that um, the ID at Xbox people are saying like, "Hey, please get in touch with us. We'll do a, we'll do a Skype call." Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of companies are saying similar. They're saying like, "We'll we'll tr- find a way to do something similar. Or try to make up the time we have the week now." Yeah. Um, I know that I have some meetings uh, scheduled, and like some of them. Uh, uh, may still happen if we're if the both participants are there, and some will need to be rescheduled as video calls, which maybe I will be doing while I'm in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, and but there are tons of people who are trying to figure that out. And yeah, it's we won't know the effect of that because we won't know what deals get made or don't or as a result of this because right. everything's so random already in this industry. Yep, like a chance encounters and random meetings and networking. Like it's all that that is that's that's the destiny of this industry, and so that's just going to change. Is it going to make it? Is it just going to be different, or is it going to be substantially different? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. A good question. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Speaking of things that people thought were going to have a big uh, change in the industry. <laughs> good position. That's good. Stadia. I can hear the giddiness in your voice almost. <laughs> um. Oh, you were just sending it over to me now? <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I didn't bring this. Uh, yeah, so uh, just a, a recent story about uh, indie developers and Stadia. That Stadia is having a hard time building a library, and I think that should, that's no surprise to people who followed it at all. Yeah. Um, most of the games on there are available on other systems. They're older titles. Um, the, the value proposition is, is, even after all this time, it's still not very high. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people expected it to be a slow out of the gate, but I think people are starting to lose a little bit more faith even the people who are holding on. Yeah. Um, in particular, uh, Google doesn't really know how to attract indie developers. Um, mm-hmm. their, their model, and not that they don't have 
people who know this particular industry, but uh, institutionally they're more, you know, the, the, the mobile model doesn't work right. in this case. But um, uh, there's two factors. One is that Stadia is still highly curated um, mm. and uh, you sort of have to be invited to be part of the platform. But also uh, there's no financial incentives. And this is what this story, this report from Business Insider uh, talked to a bunch of indie developers ah. who said like, like, I guess we'd love to, but like why? Right, like you know, the sort of double A indies, the higher end indies who might be approached by the Stadia team to publish or maybe be an exclusive, there just doesn't seem to be enough of a reason for it, and um, that's something I think Google's sort of figuring out. And um, uh, what may end up be the thing that that ultimately saves it is just op- them opening it up more, mm. um, just letting people uh, uh, cross uh, 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 publish uh, on Stadia because right now it's actually hard to get a game on Stadia. Uh-huh. They're sort of ha- they're, they're being squeezed from both sides. Is that yeah. there's not a lot of incentives to to be on Stadia, and there's not a lot of access to the platform. This sounds very similar to me to the situation that the Wii U was in. Yeah, like I mean, like there weren't, especially like at the beginning, the Wii U like re- there was a bunch of re-releases uh, of old games yeah. on the Wii U, and that was like, but it had like additional content or whatever, and mm-hmm. that was supposed to get people to go it, and I don't think that worked. And then uh, I've heard from a bunch of people that like. Developing on the Wii U was unpleasant. <laughs> I think. I think, or in general, like, well, uh, up till now, I think the Switch is a lot better. But um, other platforms, it was difficult, more difficult to develop yeah, on yeah. because, like, it's got its own. All of them are harder to work with mm-hmm. than like just PC. Yeah, but, that's a really. Inter- that's a. That's an. In- I. I can see the connection. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. The difference, of course, is that uh, Google, or well, they do have Stadia. Does have a a, a first party studio group. Right. Um, like Amazon before them, they are starting from nothing. Yeah. And so it's going to be a while before we see anything from those people, even though they're very talented. Um, starting from nothing except a billion dollars in all of our data. <laughs> they do have a lot, I mean, they have a lot of resources, but they don't have experience making games. Yeah, I don't know that you can make a game out of that uh, yeah. <laughs> right away. Um, but that's uh, whereas Nintendo I'm just saying, has its a little bit of a leg up than an indie studio starting oh, their own yeah. thing. Well, what I mean to say is you can't, you, money is not, you, you need more than that, Yeah. right? You, yeah. Need, you need time, if nothing else, mm-hmm. uh, to make a big project. And um, I think what Baldur's Gate 3 might be one of the... Oh, is that coming out of Stadia? Yeah. Um, uh, there are things in the works. It's just yeah. like, they didn't have anything at launch, right? Yeah. It's in, whereas Nintendo has the pedigree of, of Nintendo. But even right. the Wii U didn't have any much on launch either, I don't That's think. true, yeah. So they, like, had, they had less, but they had some. Yeah, but it, the thing is, is like with, I mean, the Wii U is there. Is it the, I will not have you bad-mouthing Nintendo Land. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Wii U is... Not I, in this I, I enjoyed the Wii U. Um, but like, I think uh, the Wii U is, the, wasn't it the worst performing Nintendo console? Even worse than the Virtual Boy? Am I right about that? No, not worse than the Virtual Boy. Oh, well, okay. It's one of the <laughs> it, worst. It was worse than the GameCube. Okay. And that's, that was a surprise, because yeah. GameCube was famously not, didn't, not a great set. But the GameCube had like... But oh, GameCubes are so cool. Yeah, well, that's because cute. the generation who had them are now old enough to make memes about it. So for a long time, it was seen as a colossal failure. You know, even with its, you know, many generation defining titles. Yeah. Right. That said, some of the best games made in history for the Wii U. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of good games on there. Smash four. Right. There's smash and other games. There are. Did they, I wonder, did they, it's almost like, okay, I'm coming back to systems thinking here, yeah. and this will have nothing to do with the coronavirus. We're done right. with that one. Check that Check that off the topic list. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, since they are starting something new, and as in, they're starting a new part of the organization, and while they have a lot of, you know, Alphabet, Google as a entity, yeah. has a lot of experience making stuff and selling it, um, they haven't made games, right. you know, mm-hmm. to Mark's point. And so I wonder if they're maybe working with some constraints they're giving their teams some constraints to kind of learn what they're doing before they open the floodgates is that oh. a reasonable theory i mean it's it's likely that they're doing a lot of testing and planning but like mm-hmm. uh jade raymond who's an industry veteran is heading their their first party studios efforts yeah, yeah. Okay. so like they're, they they hired a lot of people with a lot of experience in this field so it's not you know again like you know a company is not a person with its own feelings and thoughts yeah it, it's it's composed of people and a lot of those people are experienced in this but that's still they still have to start from nothing in, yeah. in terms of like concepts, in terms of right. the the time, you know. Right? And, yeah. Like I, I didn't feel bad taking a risk on buying Wii U because I knew eventually Smash would come out on it. But like <laughs> in addition to that, I knew that like there were going to be a bunch of Nintendo games that I will like. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't feel bad purchasing it, and I enjoyed the console because I liked, you know, I knew all, I liked all the content. But a lot of people now, well, a lot of people buy Nintendo consoles for Nintendo games. 
You can't mm-hmm. like opt into getting Google Stadia for Google games because that's not a thing. It's not right, a thing right. yet, yeah. And Google's never positioned their their value proposition as it, similar to other consoles. Right. Mm-hmm. Their value proposition is that it's a free console. Yeah. Just, you know what I mean? That you can, you can play with your mouse and keyboard or your Logitech controller. Mm-hmm. You don't need to buy anything for it. But of course, the free tier of Stadia is not available yet. Yeah. And so that has been uh, pushed back a little. I think March was the plan, but I think that's not going to make it. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's certain, but there hasn't been a lot of uh, c- confirmations mm. about a date or anything. Um, but their value proposition. So I think their moves in terms of how they, I think, I just think people still don't know what to think of it. Yeah. And, and, and don't know. And there are probably people at Google who are like, oh, this is, this was to the plan. And there's other people at Google thinking like, why isn't this, why aren't people always talking about us yet? You know? Um, it's a, it's a lot of uh, figuring it out and not knowing what they're doing. And, but a big part of that is like they are not doing a great job at incentivizing developers. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. is ultimately the thing you need to do. Like yep. you can build your big f- first party uh, group and that's great. But then that has its own set of constraints. Mm-hmm. But you know, what if it's someone who's been working on a game for two years that they spend an extra six months to make a, a you know, an optimized Stadia version um, or less perhaps if they could make that happen, like w- what's the incentive to do that? Mm-hmm. And there isn't one right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where they will, if, if they do ultimately completely crash, that is probably will be the reason. Is there a, uh, being the out of the loop person, did I see that Apple launched a competitive, like a competitor platform, like Apple Arcade or yeah, something? They yeah. Have a, a, a sort of Netflix style subscription thing, a monthly fee and you get, Every month you get new games. Mm. Those and are all mobile games, right? Oh no! Well, a lot of them are, no. but they're they're pre- they're high end premium titles. So oh, a lot yeah. of them are controller. You can play them on oh. an Apple TV. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of them are the same. Really cool. Yeah, and a lot of them are quite good. Um, but hmm. it, that is that is a tech company's uh, approach to uh, game dev, and that worked a little better because they fostered more developer relationships. Yeah. Apple themselves didn't make any of those games, right. and so it, it, I think that made that gave them no other option but to you know. Uh, get together with companies like Finji, mm. like like you know top tier indie uh, studios, mm-hmm. um, and and incentivize them with dollar dollar bills, <laughs> to, you know to bring their 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 works there. Yeah, and so and I think that is ongoing, and I think that's I think it remains successful. I think the the hype around it has died down, um, but people who Not have for it, me, <laughs> people who have it like it, you know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, of course, there's Netflix for games, which we're all afraid of, <laughs> the value of a, of a game title, but that's another issue. For yeah. Day. I mean, they're also fighting the copyright for Choose Your Own Adventure, which would be amazing because, or the trademark, sorry, the trademark. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, no? Netflix, right? Yeah, is, Netflix is, is fighting. They got, uh, they got sued by the uh, company that made those books, which is, is trademark, Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, except that's what, it's scotch tape. That's what everyone calls it. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. that that company has always essentially used that phrase as they license it. That's how mm-hmm. they make their money. Yeah, um, I don't begrudge them for that. They did come up with it, mm-hmm. but um, but uh, Netflix is asking them uh, uh, the trademark office to invalidate it. I'm not sure how I feel about that because Netflix is the 900 pound gorilla in this fight. Yeah, and but at the same time, the company, the Choose Your Own Adventure people, are like not like it's not it's not an it's not the most uh, ethically sound business model <laughs> to license license the trademark and sue anyone else who who uses it yeah. um but yeah, i don't know it is it is weird mm-hmm. yeah well and good news kickstarter unionized woo, uh-huh. woo, woo, woo. which Yay. is cool woo. which is the, this is the first major tech company to unionize correct mm-hmm. yes so uh good things in the future maybe we'll see yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm curious to see what this will mean for people in, or for other companies in the future. Like, if is Kickstarter the first of many or is it just going to be the only one? Like, yeah. who knows? I mean, Kickstarter is only adjacency, adjacently related to games, right? Auxiliary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try to <laughs> You are a wiser person than I am. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like, like it, it still could potentially send a set a president right mm-hmm. um we don't know but like yeah. it's just exciting to see that it has happened um and uh though we do not get super political on this show we do we're all fans of unions yeah we're so. a pro-union outfit yes like, through and through uh <laughs> so like i we see this as a good thing mm-hmm. um yeah I, and I, I i was we were talking a little bit about where the before the show started because i think it's sort of hard for us to not talk about this because it's so interesting and so and it still is a novelty in our industry um but um uh, I was I was just mentioning like uh, wondering if this mean how does it, what does this mean for the tech sector if this yeah. is the start of a trend 
what does that mean about things like employee poaching? Like if a company wants to hire you away, but you have a really good union and a good relationship at your company, are you, would, you, would you rather stay and build a career? Or is there going to be, and, and that will ultimately be good for these companies, right? Mm-hmm. To maintain a workforce. Right. But I mean, there's a trade-off because then they can't hire the excellent talent. But then does that also mean that products that are being developed, and Ellen, you were touching on this, that like sticking with an idea, with a concept, with a workflow, with, with something can pay off later Whereas the sort of the ethos of the startup community is move fast, break things, and move on, yeah. And this could actually uh, eat at the heart of that philosophy and yeah. uh, bring some stability to an, to a sector which has benefited from chaos, but also suffers greatly from it. And maybe we've had a little bit too much of it. It's time to make things different, but it it could change a lot. Mm-hmm. Is kind of what I was what I'm theorizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah, it can. That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, that, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, just thinking about unions, but what you had mentioned, Mark, about um, you know unions providing an incentive for employees to stay at the same place mm-hmm. because you know I was talking to some people uh, just earlier this week about how the incentives are for them to leave. And these are mainly developers. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the game theory of their role is they. They might start their first job as someone right out of a boot camp and they don't know a lot. And then in six months, they learn a ton and they're now much more valuable than their pay rate. Right. So and that's that's been a constant um, issue under discussion in you know hiring people and hiring developers, I think, specifically. Um, There just is, you know, why stay? The money isn't there. You make Mm -hmm. much more money if you just leave. And so what you have to either be not great at math or um <laughs> or have other reasons to stay and you know this is something that in in my work in corporate america i have to think about regularly um which is okay i i i do use money so i do and you need to get that right. um, <laughs> but Wait, let me write this down <laughs> wisdom, use use for later uh, but the things that get me to go to work every day are the people that I work with and the impact I can have and the ideas that I get yeah. to explore and the design work that I get to do, you know, the meaning of the work, it, none of that, you know, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I wouldn't have started my career as a teacher. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting, I keep coming back to systems thinking in this episode, but that's an interesting way to think about the system I hadn't thought about before. Mm-hmm. Well, we can, I mean, we can hope anyway. Yes. Um, but they didn't build, they didn't create their own union, right? They joined an existing one? I believe so. Yes. That's how um, many unions are nowadays, mm-hmm. is you join a larger organization that has power, more power. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And this one is, it's like office workers or something, right? I think, yes. Oh, yeah, it had like a super generic sounding name. Yeah, <laughs> and I think a lot of times when it's first in, an, in a sector, you find something that's nearby or you can build a relationship with. Yeah. a personal relationship with the organizers, right? Yeah, like there are a ton of industries that are unionized under the steel workers. Yeah. Uh, not not the case our union, but a, a bunch of other ones that you'd be like, wait, what? No, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you kind of find an adjacent industry or people who will help you, and then that's where you kind of go under their umbrella. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the Gizmodo Media Group writers, uh, Kotaku and so on, they're uh, unionized under Writers Guild of America East, which is. Uh, Screenwriters and novelists. Right? <laughs> and, I mean, they all they 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 traffic in words, so mm-hmm. it made sense, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, okay, I got, I've got the name. It's the uh, Office and Professional Employees International Union, and the abbreviation is OPEIU, which I pronounce as OPU. <laughs> <laughs> Not right. for any reason other than it's funny to say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll get more people to join it. Yeah. <laughs> We're fun here. This yeah. is a fun union. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. Is that all the news that's fit to whatever we do around here? Yeah. That's yeah. all the news that will fit in the time period we have. For this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's no news. This is it. This is all I have. It's all the news I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot, right? It's a lot of news. <laughs> Ellen, thank you for coming back into the clubhouse. Yeah. And being on the show again. We'd love to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me and and letting me talk into this microphone people <laughs> yeah. no on <problem>. the internet <laughs> when you think about it that's really what it is we do here <laughs> all right that's our show if you liked it please leave us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app and tell all your friends too if you are interested in any of the topics we talked about in the episode make sure to check out our website nicegames.club 
for more show notes and links to resources. Like with playtesting our games, we're always looking for feedback on the podcast. You can go to nicegames.club slash feedback to tell us what you think. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets uh, game dev resources and pictures of cats, uh, or by email at contact at nicegames.club. Ask us questions or give us suggestions for topics. And so, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Let's just end it on the Kickstarter union. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So. Steven said it was a real good thing. <laughs> and then you say. We said woo. <laughs> <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.